0: Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, makers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, Star Crunch, Cosmic Cupcakes, Cosmic Brownies, Nutty Bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. Dorksidetoys.com. For the latest Star Wars action figures, Marvel, G.I. Joe, and more, visit Dorksidetoys.com. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode VII, The Force Awakens. All from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor.
3: Well, there's lots going on in the Star Wars universe and lots going on here in the universe of Rebel Force Radio. We have uh, some updates to give you, and I I don't know what happened, if it's something in the water, what's going on, but all of a sudden, I am living in a house full of rabid Star Wars fans. Talk about that in a little bit coming up. But uh, welcome back to Rebel Force Radio. We are grateful that you're with us and uh, glad to be with you here for the week of February 19th, 2016. And as I said, we've got several announcements we'd like to make. But I can't do it alone. I uh, brought someone with me. Of course, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. I was worried you weren't there. Yeah, you know, the... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's a solo show tonight gave, for Swain. You gave me <laughs> You gave
3: me heart palpitations there. Whoa.
1: Uh, The microphone was not potted up, so I started talking and uh, did not hear myself in the headphones. So, Probably the first of many wacky technical difficulties we'll be (laughs) having tonight. I hope not. Uh, But uh, hey, Jason, hey, Star Wars fans. I am here, yes, and uh, ready to talk about the wars. And Jason, you say we have a lot of announcements. You know I have a phobia about making announcements, because
3: once you say that you're going to do something, people expect you to do it. Yeah, well, the trick is to do it first. Right. And then tell people what you did. I learned that from you. I learned Thank- that from you. Uh, speaking of which, I do want to uh, put this out here. We're going to be talking later on in the cantina with Laurie Good. He's going to be joining us. And Laurie, if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because he plays not one, not two, but three characters in uh, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, including the infamous stormtrooper that hits his head on the uh, the overhang there. And uh, he also plays an X-wing pilot. And for you Cantina fans, he plays a Saur. Uh, what is it? I always want to say Sauron. Sauron. Wrong. Yes, yeah, Sauron. Wrong franchise. Saruman. <laughs> Sauron. Um, in uh, in the Cantina. So uh, he'll be joining us later in the program. But yes, uh, announcements, Jim. I'm. Th- this one is uh, really a long time in the making, but we finally have it up and it's open the official rebel force radio shop and uh we've got several products uh in there right now uh, several t-shirts lots of different varieties including kid sizes we've got ladies t-shirts you know cut for that uh that hourglass figure we have uh coffee the coffee mug I, everywhere we go right people when are you gonna make the coffee mug yeah because we had a very small run of a made. uh i think we did that for christmas a year or so ago right we sure did. We sure did. I, I'm still uh, following
1: up with uh, the United States Postal Service on uh,
3: damaged goods <laughs> resulting. Oh, falls. that was a massacre! It was the Great Coffee Mug Massacre right, of right. 2015. I mean, I
1: mean, uh, you know, big boxes showing up at Lucasfilm filled with ceramic dust <laughs> <laughs> and, and shards, shards with the, with the Rebel Force Radio logo on them. But. <laughs> <laughs> but the, we don't have to worry about that anymore. No. Not with the Rebel Force Radio shop. We have true professionals handling the uh, shipment and uh, merchandising of all these cool uh, Rebel Force Radio uh, products. You can get uh, T-shirts, coffee mugs, as we said. Hoodies, which I'm excited about. Long sleeve shirts and much more. And you can choose colors. It's it's totally customizable. The The store is amazing. We have... All the colors, sizes, and styles for men and women that you could imagine. So uh, you want to say it loud, say it proud. You listen to Rebel Force Radio, and you want to wear the logo. And there are so many uh, cool pieces of apparel that you can get right now. And we're going to be adding more. We're going to be adding more. So there's a lot to look forward to at the Rebel Force Radio shop. How to get there, go to rebelforceradio.com. And uh, we have a new uh, little tab up
3: at the top of the page that clearly says shop. Go
1: there. And start shopping.
3: I'm particularly proud of the banner that our pal Chris Amarim did for that page uh, with with you, me, and Watto.
1: Yeah, we're in Watto's shop. Yeah.
3: And uh, there's a banner up on the wall for uh, Little Debbie. (laughs) Yeah. We're right at home. We got a Rebel Force Radio t shirt hanging up the back. Looks like you're giving Watto some business there. And I don't mean uh, financial. No, I think I'm, I'm
1: mad about the, the placement in the shop. I think I wanted <laughs> to see like some of the merchandise actually in the, the shop window out in front. And I was kind of like, hey, you got you to gotta set us up there,
3: Watto. And Watto was like, shut up. <laughs> oh, uh, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. In addition to the shop, uh, we have also launched a brand new initiative for those of you who are um, consumers of podcasts and uh, all kinds of, uh, of, uh, of of sort of a do-it-yourself media, um, there is a, a great tool out there for raising funds for new initiatives uh, for your project. And uh, Jimmy Mack and I, we, we, boy, we've had – this is another one where we've had people making requests saying, you guys really should do a Patreon campaign. You really need to do a Patreon campaign. And it was something that, you know, we wanted to make sure that when we rolled this out, we were doing it for all of the right reasons. We wanted to make sure that we were going to be able to to deliver on the incentives for you guys. Uh, As Jimmy said, you know, we don't believe in announcing things and then not coming through. We really, really like to make something happen. And then, like I say, tell you what we did. So what we've got is we have a Patreon campaign and uh, we're looking for contributions. Uh, We want to expand. We want to do more. Here at Rebel Force Radio, create more content, be able to do it uh, more often. And in order to do that, you know, like anything else, any other endeavor in life, uh, money helps. So we have a number of different pledge amounts, anywhere from a dollar per month uh, to $50 per month, $60 per month. And there are incentives for those, uh, those contributions. We also have some goals. We have goals that if we reach a certain level... We're going to actually do more shows, and one of those ideas is something we call "Clone Wars Revisited." And the way that that works is if we reach a certain level, and you can check out all of the details. Uh, we'll have a link on—I think we already have the link on our Facebook page, don't we? No, I. You know what. We will. We will. By the time you're hearing this, we will have the link on our Facebook page. But Clone Wars Revisited, that's something that we've talked about, you know, because when the Clone Wars first uh, came on, the, the episodes were not in in uh, chronological order for, for much of the time. And really, Jim, I think one of the fun things and also the frustrating things of doing uh, the, uh, the roundtable and then the Clone Wars Declassified was that. You know, we took them episode by episode, but really it was the arc that kind of told the, the the big story. So we'd spend a lot of time on the first episode of a four-part arc speculating what we thought was going to happen. And sometimes, you know, we didn't see the forest for the trees, right? Right.
1: There was a lot of hot air being uh, thrown into the uh, room with uh, some of those episodes when you go back and listen. To them. But that's kind of part of the fun. And, you know, we're going to be reanalyzing the show through fresh eyes. And uh, also we'll be going back and critiquing our original critiques <laughs> and probably having a lot of laughs along the way. For um, sure. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be great to go back and get reacquainted with star Wars, the clone Wars, just uh, really an excellent time for us as podcasters and a great time for star Wars fans. When clone Wars was really the only thing happening, in the Star Wars universe for a number of years. So we want to pay tribute to that with Clone Wars Revisited. And that'll be a new show coming to the Rebel Force Radio Network that everyone will be able to hear. Whether you subscribe to uh, Patreon or not, everyone
3: will get Clone Wars Revisited. But we have to reach that goal first. Right, right. And uh, we we promised some special guests that'll stop by and help us analyze these. And we think going arc by arc will really give us uh, a, a That fresh perspective that we're looking for. Something else that we uh, look forward to doing is a fan theories show. I mean, boy, are we in sort of the new golden age of Star Wars or what? And with that, you know, just last week on the last episode of Rebel Force Radio, we were talking about the various Snoke theories. We were talking about, uh, of course, we know all the all the Ray theories, uh, the, the the theory about. Did Han ignite the lightsaber that impaled him? Uh, there is a lot of really good thought out there. Um, you can read a lot of it on uh, the uh, official uh, Facebook group of Rebel Force Radio. There is a lot of that stuff being shared, but we thought it would be fun to, you know, kind of talk about it on the air and do it in a concerted way, and so that would be uh, our Rebel Force Radio bonus episode fan theories where we discuss your fan theory so that's something else to uh take a look at on the patreon page um there's also some shout outs that we'll be doing and uh, some google hangouts at a certain level so if you pledge uh you can uh, hang out with uh, jimmy mack and myself and tyler the intern and uh just sit around and talk about star wars that's gonna be a lot of fun and then we'll release those uh to those who have uh contributed at that level so a uh, whole menu of options for you and you know we don't make a big habit uh, on the program of uh, of asking for money uh, but the page is there you can uh, we'll have a link to it at rebelforceradio.com as well as on our facebook page so you can go check out all the details and we really do appreciate your support and uh, a number of you've already jumped on so uh, thank you to those of you and we we, we will have a, a special thank you at the end of the program for uh, one particular Patreon uh, patron,
1: so you know, and and we consider it to be just nothing more than a tip jar, just uh, you know, but a tip jar with mad incentives. So <laughs> yeah, uh, we have these milestone goals and. Jason and I were chomping at the bit to get this new programming out to all rebel force radio fans. So if you're looking to contribute, please visit our page at patreon.com slash rebel force radio.
3: All right. One more announcement. And this one is very, very exciting for me. It's old hat for Jimmy Mac, but for me, it's brand new. Uh, we are going to be at Disney this summer. And we want to tell you about our listener meetup. Now, Jimmy's been doing this, what, this will be, what, you're number three or no, you're number yeah. four? Yeah, this is the third year
1: in a row we're going to be heading out to Orlando. In previous years, we timed our visits with the annual Star Wars Weekends event, but that ain't happening no
3: more. No, but we're still going to be there, and this year, I'm going to go, and I'm bringing the whole family with me. I'll so- believe it when I see it. <laughs> That's all I got to say. All
1: right. All right. But I'll definitely be there. Uh-huh. So we can. Uh-huh. <laughs> and listen, Jason, I, I have faith. I, I, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to build some faith here because you keep talking about it. Uh, every time I bring the subject up, you uh, don't disappear for a few days. You actually respond. <laughs> and uh, so I think it's really happening this time, folks. Yeah, that's right. The first time ever. The Swank will be on board in Orlando for our annual Disney listener meetup. And more than just that, we know Big Steve is always a fixture. He's on board. And new for 2016, David W. Collins, host of Star Wars Oxygen, will also be part of the gang. So we are going to have an amazing time out at Disney Hollywood Studios. We're going to ride Star Tours all day, and we're going to spend the entire day with fellow fans like you listening at home 2016 is going to be the year of the rebel force radio star wars weekend star wars weekends isn't going anywhere we're bringing it back we're going to do a full day meetup at hollywood studios we want a huge group together to ride star tours and then that'll be on the friday june 10th and then the next day Is a Saturday, and we're going to have a live Rebel Force Radio in Orlando, a remote broadcast. It's going to be happening at a location to be determined very soon. We hope to get you all the details really soon. It's going to be somewhere in the Orlando area, really close to Disney. And uh, we're going to make it happen. We need you guys, though. We need the energy of the Rebel Force Radio audience with us on this uh, amazing weekend in Orlando. So that'll be June 10th at the park, June 11th for the live remote broadcast. Location TBD. Get on our mailing list right now show at RebelForcerAdio.com, subject line Disney, and we will put you on the list and you will get all the updates. The main reason we want to do the mailing list is, of course, to keep you guys informed and updated, but also, also so we can get a head count. So we want you to be serious. If you're going to hang out with us, please let us know. And we're going to gather together a great group of Star Wars fans to hang out for two amazing days in Orlando. It's going to be great. And I am going to be there. And Jason's going to be there. And, you know, they have Star Tours with the uh, Jakku update which is going to be amazing. Also, they have the launch bay at Hollywood Studios, too, which features gosh uh, props from the films uh, character appearances and everything else and maybe we'll even get a peek over the fence a little bit and see some construction going on for the new star wars land that's going to take up a ton of space out there too so uh, who knows what kind of uh, exciting things we'll uncover during this whole weekend but when we do it we want you guys to be there with us and it's going to be an amazing great time it's going to be a a celebration it's going to be a disney star Wars celebration and we
0: want you guys there. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news.
2: Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode
3: eight. Now in production. That's right. Episode eight. And wow, what a teaser. Not a teaser for the release of a film, but a teaser for the beginning of filming. I don't know that I've ever seen anything like it. I can't say that it's never been done before, but um something i 've never seen before, and so uh Jim, the footage that we saw looks to be perhaps what people are assuming is a reshoot or a continued shoot of Ray meeting up with Luke on the island mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At, that we see at the very end of the force awakens is this reused is this footage that we 're seeing that was originally shot? for The Force Awakens, or is this new stuff? Now, the fact that you see Ryan Johnson and the crew there yeah. uh, leads me to believe that this is new. So, could this be the first Star Wars movie where it picks up the, the first Star Wars sequel rather, where it picks up immediately following the events of the previous film? Well, I believe that's the buzz, isn't it? I, I, I think a lot of people are are uh,
1: looking at that as being a reality and I am too. I, I, I really think it is going to pick up at least that moment. Um, you know, it could just then leapfrog six months, a year into the future. I hope it doesn't. I would love to see a direct continuation of uh, the Force Awakens. Now, a little information about the visuals we're seeing there. We're obviously seeing a shot of older Luke Skywalker, profile of Mark Hamill. I mean, the- does he
3: look more nasty? He, he does. He does. He, does. I, he actually looks more nasty and unkempt. In that, in this shot, yeah. than he did at the end of uh, the Force Awakens. He's got a little lumberjack thing going
1: on. I think <laughs> what we're looking at, though, also, I think, is some very raw footage. It hasn't uh-huh. really been treated, maybe with uh, some proper post production filters or whatever they use to clean up the shots. I know noticed- they need a little Vaseline on that lens. For, uh, no, stop, for- it. <laughs> stop it! Stop <laughs> it! The guy's living on a rock for the last fifteen years, and you're going to get on his case? He's Jedi Master, um, but. You know, Information about that. Now, it was released when filming began this past Monday at Pinewood Studios in London. Okay. So, obviously, the first shots for episode eight were shot in the latter half of 2015 out on Skellig Michael with Ryan Johnson and the episode eight crew picking up where JJ and his crew left off.
3: Essentially, is the vibe I'm getting from this. Now, do you remember the rumors, Jim, that there were some reshoots of Episode 7 going on on Skellig Michael? What we might assume now is that those quote-unquote reshoots were actually – was actually Ryan Johnson and his crew out there doing some Episode 8 stuff.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of guesswork going on by uh – Us members in the Star Wars media about what the significance was of that shoot, but I I do believe it was confirmed that Ryan Johnson was a part of that, and so everyone knew it was episode eight. I had heard from behind the scenes that it was not reshoots for The Force Awakens, but it was indeed for episode eight, and that's when shooting actually started. It It was a few months ago, back in the fall, but. The actual proper beginning of, of the shooting of this film with the full cast at Pinewood Studios all started this past Monday. So they used this footage that they gathered up at the end of 2015, create a nice little teaser for us. If you notice, the color palette is, is way different and the lighting is way different than what mm-hmm. we see mm-hmm. in The Force Awakens with, yep. when Daisy's holding out that saber, that saber hilt. Right. And, uh, and so that's why I think this is raw footage that hasn't really gone through the post-production process at all because it's so vastly different looking. But uh, that, that's when the actual uh, shooting began was, was actually uh, yeah. last year before the holidays. And then now here we are in the, the, the proper era of uh, filming for Episode eight. Everyone checking in at Pinewood Studios, the entire cast. Oh, by the way, no mention of Harrison Ford in this cast. Remember, there was some kind of buzz going on that the entire cast from The Force Awakens was going to be returning for Episode 8. Well, that's what Kathleen
3: Kennedy told us,
1: the entire cast. So a lot of people were buzzing, thinking that she met Harrison Ford as well. But as we know, Han uh, fell into the abyss
3: with a big hole in his belly. and, uh, And then the planet exploded. Never to be seen again. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but that hasn't stopped. So, yes, you're right. The um, The list goes on of all of the returning cast members. Uh, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Domino Gleeson, Anthony Daniels, Gwendolyn Christie. So we, are, it's confirmed, obviously, that uh, uh, Captain Phasma survived. And Andy Serkis uh, joining... New cast members, Benicio Del Toro, no surprise, that had been confirmed before. This is one kind of out of nowhere, Jim. This just showed up, uh, I think, this week. Laura Dern. From Jurassic. Laura Dern from Jurassic Park and October Sky, uh, Wild at Heart. Uh, I mean, an actress who's been in a, a lot of stuff. Not who I would look at and go, oh, get her in a Star Wars movie, but we'll have to wait and see. There's a quality about her
1: that to me always says, mom. Mm. Mm. So, whose mom do you think she could be? Early speculation. A lot of people online are saying she's going to be playing Ray's mom. I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying that. That's what I'm thinking. But
3: uh, so she's you, Myra Jade. When you look at stop. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when you look at Laura Dern, you get this you know
3: maternal yeah. vibe off of her. At least I do. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I boy, I. I just have it uh, such a hard time believing that we're ever going to meet Ray's parents um, if they're who we who I think they are, mm-hmm. which is not a Skywalker, not a Solo, just Ray's parents. Um, now, why why do you think that though? Because I, you know,
1: we see this argument going on all over. Yeah, these days. If if she's just Ray. Mm-hmm. What's the significance? Why, why why is she connected to Luke's lightsaber? Why is she hearing the voices of Ben and Yoda? Why is she having flashbacks to, according to the novelization, the showdown between Vader and Luke at Cloud City? Where's her connection to all of this? The Force? That's too easy.
3: <laughs> it's just too easy. Are you really? I see. I think making her Luke's daughter is too easy. Yeah, but Star Wars is about the families, you know?
1: It's about the generations. Yeah. it's uh, Well,
3: it, it, you have one with, with Kylo Ren. I, true, true. Uh, that is very true. So, and, you, so you, that, that's that, sort of that box is checked, right? Whether you, or not they, they need to double down on it with...
1: I think they do. I think you need, you know, um, the yin to the yang. I, I, I hmm. think you do, and I think they should be cut from the same cloth. I think everything becomes far more significant if Rey is a Skywalker. And of course the episodic uh, films in the series um, should relate to the Skywalkers. The entire series should be about the Skywalkers. Well, it still is because Kylo Ren is half Skywalker. What do you think the odds are for Kylo's redemption? Obviously the seed has been planted much in the way with Vader where Luke said, you know, there's still good in him. I felt the good in him. Leia believes there's still light in Kylo. She's obviously tapped into the Force, and she's getting this vibe. Mm. And we've seen the conflict with Kylo.
3: How impossible is it for him to turn the other direction? Well, I think they really had to do something with with Kylo Ren. And I'm not saying anything brand new here. I believe it was J.J. Abrams when talking about the death of Han Solo, that they really needed to establish this guy, as something to be afraid of, that, yes. that he really is a loose cannon. He had to out Vader, Vader, and he was never going to out Vader, Vader, just in terms of you know his physical, uh, you know, intimidation factor. You're just never going to, I, I don't think, ever make anything more intimidating than that than that uh, you know iconic Vader look. But what they d- were able to do is give us a villain. That accomplished something that Vader never could, to the extent of killing his own family. You know, committing familicide. Essentially, uh, Vader couldn't do that. Vader stopped short on Cloud City. He stopped short uh, on the Death Star II. Um He stopped short on Mustafar. Was not. You know, was angry at Padme, choked Padme, but did not kill Padme. So this was not anything he was ever able to do. So giving Kylo that moment. Uh, you know, certainly elevates him.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it just shows you that, uh, like you said, he's he's a force to be reckoned with. If he's going to kill his own father, who knows what he's capable of doing? Right. Right. So yeah. So obviously, there's a lot of great fear with him, and uh, and true, of course, he'll never be Vader. That's the big fear, right? I mean, they even say that in the movie. Yeah. I think that's he'll what us fans as as are always of afraid of. You know, he'll never yeah. be as good as right. Vader. We're we're saying that. You know, uh, man, it's it's so funny how how that line becomes so thin between the audience and the characters at times with this movie based on their familiarity with the story and the franchise. But back to the casting for episode eight. Um, Yeah. It's going to be great to see uh, Benicio and whatever he plays in the film. Mm -hmm. Laura Dern. Very, very interesting. But the, the true surprise is this newcomer, Kelly Marie
3: Tran. Do we know anything about her? Just that she was on uh, "About a Boy," which was the short-lived television version of the of the film. Uh, But not much, not much. Mm -hmm. She's uh, an Asian American actress, and she's uh, looks pretty young.
1: She looks Um, like someone who has a big career in comedy, a lot of like you know college humor sort of uh uh, online things, and. yeah, a lot of comedy, a lot of comedy. So, um, but she's she's you know totally unknown. I wonder if we're going to be seeing her as comic relief in the film. Mm. Uh, there's no indication as to what size role she's going to play, but she is featured here with all the big players from the film. And uh, you know when you, when you put her name up there with a uh, Laura Dern, nominated for uh, Academy Awards. Benicio Del Toro, of course, winner
3: of Academy Awards.
1: And then Kelly Marie Tran from About yeah. a Boy.
3: I mean, she's but, so- you, but you do remember, you know, with, with Episode 7, these casting announcements and the waves that they came in. And, yep. you know, you heard about uh, who was the, the, the martial artist that everybody was so excited about. He was the parkour expert.
1: Oh, Pip Anderson. And he turned out to be just the stunt player, pretty much. I think he played yeah. the
3: stormtrooper. He was, yeah, a stormtrooper. You know, I mean, Daniel Craig did that. Um, so, you know, I, I, these, these, especially these initial early, uh, cast announcements, I don't know that they necessarily mean much in terms of what kind of impact that actor is, or, you know, character going to have on the, on the story. So it, it could be background stuff, but she's just got a really good agent <laughs> that gets her name out there, um, with people like Laura Dern and Benicio del Toro. So I like the speculation that says that Benicio is, uh, He's the real baddie. He's the real bad guy. He's calling the the strings, you know, calling the shots with Snoke. Um, a theory that's out there. Or he
1: but, could be uh, something of an apprentice of Snoke's. Uh, I don't
3: I don't. I don't see him playing your typical first order slash imperial officer. No, definitely not. Definitely not. No, he's going to play something that's uh, a, a lot more exotic, I think. But
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, he is going to be a
3: bad guy because yes. he's Benicio del Toro. Uh, but the uh, the sun hasn't com- the suns, I should say, haven't completely set on the Phantom Menace or the Phantom Menace. I was just watching it tonight. Yeah. So it's a fresh on my brain. But the Force Awakens. It's award season uh, here in the United States as well as in uh, Britain. And John Boyega. Won a BAFTA, he won the uh, Rising Star Award. We actually have a clip of uh, of John. This is him, I believe, accepting the award. Yes, sir. All right. This is John Boyega winning his BAFTA. Thank you so much. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank God for this moment, and uh, a big thank you uh, to BAFTA for this amazing opportunity, um, and obviously to the members of the public who voted. Thank you so much, um, guys. I haven't been doing this for a long time. It's a fluke. Um, so <laughs> I uh, have some very, very special people in my life who have been such a blessing. My, my parents, my family and friends, and uh, my agent, my manager, my best friend, my brother, Femi Oguns, who has repped me since I was 16. Thank you, man. Thank you for everything. Uh, I'm going to share this award with uh, all the young dreamers who are determined, who are hardworking, uh, and who are, quite frankly... Amazing. Uh, this is also for you. Blessings to your path and God bless. Thank you. So there's our hero, our new hero, Finn, John Boyego, accepting his uh, BAFTA for the uh, Rising Star Award. Now, I, is this a certain type of BAFTA, Jim? Do you know uh, the BAFTAs are not typically just voted on by the public. Is this, a, this particular award something that the public gets to vote on?
1: Boy, I don't know because it's sponsored. It's sponsored by a company called EE Limited, mm-hmm. which is uh, it's a mobile network provider and uh, uh Internet provider out in the U.K., You know, very much like the Comcast mm. of, of uh, England. So I don't know. I don't know because of the, of, of the fact it's sponsored uh, who actually votes on this award. I know very little about the BAFTAs to begin with, but uh, I just think it's great that Boyega's... Uh, contributions to cinema just via the force awakens has opened a lot of eyes and people realize, Hey, you know, this guy, he's more than just a, uh, an action hero. He's, he, he actually has, there's something behind him. He's, he's going to be a rising star. You know, he is a rising star and and they think he's going to be the next big thing out there. And, uh, you uh, they're probably right. They're
3: probably right. Well, he's very charismatic. He's one of those that you just, you know, can't take your eyes off of him when he's on the screen, but he, he and Daisy Ridley. And that, that to me, you know there's there was so much about the nostalgia of seeing these these wonderful characters back uh, on the big screen being played by these these you know um, legendary actors and it, and that's really that was the draw that was the draw, but I don't think that that in and of itself would have propelled the film to be as successful as it has been uh, without having the real meat of the film uh being so well uh prepared you know in the, in the in in terms of daisy and and john and 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 oscar as well but uh and and all of the the new cast but particularly those two uh not only were they really enjoyable individually to watch but their chemistry was just off the charts yeah i heard something interesting you know it it has been stated publicly that
1: episode 8 has gone under some 11th hour rewrites prior to the the shooting going down. Sure. And as a matter of fact, the shooting was supposed to start last month, but because of these rewrites that Ryan Johnson is undertaking, it pushed back the filming a full month. I heard, and I, I think this is just crazy absurd, but I heard that the rewrites had to take place because of public reaction to Boyega and Daisy in the force Awakens, because people love their characters so much and they wanted to see more of them. And the way that episode eight was supposed to roll out, it, it wasn't going to feature them as much. I, I just think that's absurd. Feature them together or feature them at all. I think the spotlight was going to shift in episode eight, maybe away from Boyega, maybe still maintaining quite the focus on Daisy, obviously, because she plays into the big picture. We assume. Mm. But, um, but I, I think, and this is what I heard, that the production crew, Lucasfilm slash Disney, was surprised at the popularity of the new characters in The Force Awakens. And so they're going to try to mold, then, the next episode, episode eight, to
3: be more focused on those two characters. Now, how does that make you feel, just in general, when you, and we don't know any of this is true, but we're speculating here. Based on rumors, Uh, but how does it make you feel when you know that filmmakers, writers, the creators behind these movies are changing their initial plans based on fan or public uh, sentiment?
1: Well, number one, I mean, it's all just rumor anyway, Mm -hmm. what I'm saying They thought Kylo Ren was going to be the character that really grabbed the audiences. Um, How does that make me feel? Well, you know, I believe that you want to give your fan base what they want. However, seeing Star Wars being run by George Lucas single-handedly for all those years, it kind of put us in an area where it was just like, you know, hey, take it or leave it, you know we don't have any, any say over what goes on because George calls all the shots and the buck stops right there at his desk. But you have to remember episode two probably would have featured a lot more Jar Jar Binks if he wasn't so hated on after the release of episode one.
0: Mm.
1: Nobody, you know, Lucas didn't make episode one thinking he was creating a character that people were going to just rip on. It took him by surprise. I think it took a few people in the, in the crew by surprise. There were others who were probably being vocal with George, saying, oh, you know, this, maybe it's, it, it might be misinterpreted by some, uh, the, the way that this character is being portrayed. But George wouldn't have anything to do with it, famously. But he's no fool. He wasn't going to feature Jar Jar Binks as much in episode two after the fallout. So, obviously, he, he he shaved down that character to the point, you know, by the time we got to Revenge of the Sith, he was barely seen at all. Certainly didn't get any dialogue. There yeah. you see public opinion having an influence. Sure. So It's not like this is a road we've never traveled down before, but it was always easy to understand where things were coming from because it all came from one guy, essentially. Right. Especially by the time of the prequel era.
3: All right, the BAFTAs uh, continue, and uh, actor Riz Ahmed from Rogue One was on the red carpet, and he was being asked about his involvement in a new Star Wars film. Here's what Riz had to say.
2: What Gareth Edwards has been bringing to Rogue One is this incredible, um, organic, loose, kind of raw feeling. When he talks about Rogue One, he's spoken about it in terms of a war movie, and comparing it to other war movies. And I think that what, what it will bring is just a fresh pair of eyes on a familiar world. And, and I think that's really exciting. We're doing something a little bit different to the other films, and hopefully people are ready for that and they'll embrace it.
3: Well, that certainly falls in line with what we've been speculating um, probably since we saw that very first little uh, tease back at uh, Star Wars Celebration. We, we knew that the tone of this movie was going to be darker, was going to be... Borrowing a lot from war movies, uh, probably in a more overt way than, say, Star Wars borrowed from Westerns. I think this is going to be a much more literal influence on the movie uh, than what we've seen in the past. Um, Rumors about Darth Vader uh, continue being a major. They've gone from him making an appearance into the film uh, to now being the major bad guy. In the movie. and
1: and insiders have revealed that his scenes are brutal in nature as far as the violence goes so we're really gonna i haven't heard that full metal jacket vader that's wow. what you're we'll seeing in this thing speaking of full metal jacket there's a lot of talk about that this is going to be a real war film And if you look at some of the people on the crew here, you got guys who worked on Black Hawk Down and films like Saving Private Ryan. So there's definitely this vibe that they're trying to capture with this. I'm intrigued. I have to say I'm getting more intrigued. And especially if you give Vader an expanded
3: role, forget about it. It's going to be off the hook. Now, the one thing I did hear is that the rumors are very, very strong that James Earl Jones will be back. Yeah. As the voice, which, uh, you know, if he's doing Rebel's work, I think that we could probably all assume that he would do the film, but you never know. You never know. But it sounds like it's looking very, very good that he'll be uh, lending his pipes. Why not? Why not? Now, I do notice a.
1: A sizable difference in the way James sounds now compared to, say, original trilogy-era Darth Vader. I, I do notice there's, there's something different, and I, I
3: can't quite put my finger on what it is. I don't know if it's James or if it's just the way that they're processing it. Maybe it's just the way they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, I, because I, I just think his resonance is still there, you know, very much there. When you hear him unfiltered in interviews, he sounds, I think, very much the same. Uh, but I'm with you. There is something a little bit different. And, uh, you know, the, the the way that they processed the voice in Episode 4 was very different than what you hear in 5 and 6, where it gets lower and mm-hmm. deeper mm-hmm. and richer. There's almost a tinny sound to his voice in Episode 4. So I would love to see them try to you know move it in that direction a little bit more. What? Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> But, uh, you know, there is is a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, Finally, uh, this is more of Riz on the red carpet, and this time he's talking about the director of Rogue One, Gareth Edwards.
2: He's such a down-to-earth, relaxed, normal dude with a wicked sense of humor. um, With no, you know, it doesn't bring any ego to the table. It's not like, you know, Big Boss on set now. Puts everyone at ease, makes everyone relaxed, And he also creates a working environment where everyone can have some input. Everyone can bring something to the table. It just brings out the best in everyone. So, um, yeah, hopefully some of it's stuck, and, and uh, I can't wait to see what he's put together.
3: All right. Neither can we. Yeah, definitely the anticipation. I knew it was going to start eventually. I, you know, the, the afterglow of Episode 7 is starting to wear off. I'm in the mode where I just I want to own it on Blu-rays so where I can watch it whenever I want. Um, and now I'm, I do have starting to turn the corner and looking at episode eight or excuse me. Well, yes, episode eight, but, uh, Rogue One is the stop in between. And, you know, if this becomes, you know, not your, not your quote unquote kid Star Wars, so be it. We'll take a look at it. We'll see what it, what it has to offer. But I do think that it's very, very real that people are going to have some confusion uh, Jim, you know, your mom is going to be taking uh, a girdle or Berta
1: a girdle. <laughs> what
3: are you talking about? My mom's girdle. For? <laughs> you know, they're going to be going to see it thinking that it's episode eight and she's going to call you up and say, I loved it. Except there was no Luke Skywalker in it. I think she's
1: going to realize because it was the hype for the force awakens that got her to see it in the first place. It'll be the hype for rogue one that brings her to. Okay, So I I think she'll be able to, uh, well, she'll ask me first. I hope No, she'll probably ask my brother first because he's (laughs) in there first. (laughs) I do imagine there is going to be a little bit of confusion uh, from the mass public as to where this all falls in line. It's all going to come down to the, marketing for this thing, I mean, they're obviously going to have to be very specific and obvious about where this falls in line with the Star Wars timeline. When people say it's about the rebels who are trying to steal the plans to the Death Star, I think they're going to realize it sets up a new hope. But you know, you know, there's going to be confusion. I mean, there was confusion when the prequels were released. Oh, sure. This is
3: Episode One. What was what? That was four. Wait. uh, I remember talking to people that thought it was a sequel. Yeah. Thought Phantom Menace was a sequel to Return of the Jedi. Right. Um, What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to give away some little Debbie. Let's do it.
1: It's time to give away a Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack. You got it right. It's a Rebel Force Radio exclusive. The Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack, only available to loyal listeners of Rebel Force Radio and proud Star Wars fans. As you know, each and every week, we're combing the social media like Twitter, looking for your mentions of Rebel Force Radio and Little Debbie and choosing from those posts our latest winners of Little Debbie Galactic Snack Packs. This week, we're looking at Twitter, and Alan Smithy says, my five-hour a day commutes were slow. Then came Rebel Force Radio. Now I reach for Little Debbie Cosmic Brownies and the trip feels light speed. Well, Alan, guess what? You're going to have a lot more than just Cosmic Brownies to grab for. We're going to send you a Galactic Snack Pack chock-full of Little Debbie treats, like Cosmic Cupcakes, Peanut Butter Cream Pies, Star Crunch and Cosmic Brownies, just to name a few things that you might find in your Galactic Snack Pack when it shows up on your doorstep. So congratulations, Alan Smithy. Please contact us here at Rebel Force Radio. Of course, you have to be present to win. We're not going to track you down. You have to send us your shipping address. Show at rebelforceradio.com. Thank you so much, Alan, for spreading the word about Rebel Force Radio and Little Debbie. We're giving away galactic snack packs each and every week here on Rebel Force Radio because, of course, Little Debbie is the official snack of fans across the galaxy.
3: All right, in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Lori Good in the Cantina. Lori is a veteran of the original production of Star Wars Episode 4: A New Hope in 1976, 1977. Uh, Lori played three characters including Herchik Kalfas, also known as Sorian, in the uh, cantina. Also, the stormtrooper, not just any stormtrooper, but one of the first stormtroopers to appear in the film, and the only one to hit his head. Also an X-Wing pilot during the briefing scene uh, towards the end of episode four. So he's got some great stories. We're looking forward to talking to him as we go in the cantina.
0: Going, For a drink. Sorry about the mess. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Hello?
4: Is this what? Laurie? Hello, Jimmy?
3: Oh, this hey, is Jason. Jason. Uh, you got both of us here.
4: Hey, Laurie. I'm, I'm still trying to work out this, this Skype thing, you know. Don't worry uh, about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's getting me all up I'm tight, so... uh,
1: We understand, Laurie, it's quarter past three in the UK. We're just happy you can put full sentences together at this point.
4: (laughs) Well, I try. What was that? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 I'm joking.
3: But, of course, you are also, in addition to being an actor, you're a musician, so you're used to the late nights.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, late nights and... um, uh, Like days as
3: well. They all sort of blend in together. But we're really honored to have you on the program. I mean, it's not that often that we talk to uh, a veteran of the original Star Wars film from 1977, much less one who's played not one, not two, but three characters. That's right, And including one of the more, uh, uh, boy, shall we say infamous or... or, um, Awesome, yeah, legendary when it comes to you know Star Wars or actually not just Star Wars lore but you know f- film in general um, but let's let's kind of go back to to where it all began. you weren't originally supposed to be in it as that writer, you certainly weren't supposed to be a stormtrooper
4: well no because we had an agency called Central Cast in all the sort of minor roles, the extras and all that uh, uh, the background. And um, a guy who's supposed to have, uh, have played the part uh, of a stormtrooper um, cried off sick or did something. He probably got a better job knowing him. His name is Peter Jukes. I don't think he's alive these days. And um, he, so, so, so he, 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 he tried to get out of the job or did get out of the job and rang up and said he couldn't make it. So they rang me because I had the same measurements. So I went along there and <laughs> turned up, and I thought, oh my God, what was all this rubbish we got put on? <laughs> <laughs> So I thought, oh, all these trip bits on, and it was all uncomfortable. We were, they were all falling off, and they, they were all kind of bristled, and you know, you, you pull them up too tight or trying to. To to, to um, uh, fix them too tight to your body, a bit of elastic would snap, and something <laughs> would drop off. You know, so we thought, well, this is this is a bit of a joke, but yeah, okay, we've 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 had stuff like this before. But um, so you didn't really know where where that film was going to go, you know, right, mm. right from day one.
1: It's legendary how uh, George Lucas would say that. He would often run into skepticism with the UK crew specifically. So it sounds like you sort of shared that that sentiment toward the production as it was as it was. Well, but,
4: but you see, I mean, it was because there's, there's a famous phrase or uh, not phrase, but there's a famous saying, it's, it's, it's like the, the famous story that someone said that to one of the, one of us guys was <laughs> up to um, Dave Prowse, who's got this strong. Sort of West Country accent, you know. He used to he talks like that, and he's uh, a lovely guy, but that's that's the way he talks. And um, you know, it, you you expect someone who's like the, the the baddie in the film. and He obviously looked the baddie in the black outfit and everything. So because um, we we didn't have scripts or anything, we didn't know what was going on. We had sort of like guests <laughs> as, it, as, it, as it developed. And he said, oh, "Mate, he said, what, what part are you playing?" He said, "I'm playing Darth Vader." He said, "Oh." Daft Ada, eh? <laughs> so, so they're all calling him Daft Ada for sort of like the first couple of weeks. So uh, uh, you know, so so with that, and and then he was acting, and and when he was acting, he was saying, "Take her away, you, and get her, get her out of here, and put that princess." In another room, along the way, there. You know, you think to yourself, <laughs> you know, all these bits falling off them. I mean skepticism was right to 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 to, 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 to follow. I think yeah. she <laughs> was "What's all this film about?" Oh, it was, it was funny. it was jumping all over the place, you know.
3: You you were in that 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 opening scene where the uh, the the blockade runner is being overtaken uh, by the star destroyer, and that. Uh, initial uh, entrance of darth vader
4: the, the first the first entrance when a storm trooper storm in yeah it was on the death star isn 't it because people tell me you know and i'm a, I, and they uh, and they seem to have um, the knowledge so I say, yeah I'll go along with it but it's, a, it's a, i think it's a death star isn 't it when they come in and and uh, the door comes open and it in storm, the stormtroopers and
3: in come the stormtroopers and 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 you're one of those yeah. guys
4: uh yeah.
3: right there and were you uh were you right there along with uh Dave Prouse at that point or were you yeah, what, are you the, one of the first stormtrooper. to drop the stormtroopers <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> to fall down on the ground get out the get out the rest of the filming <laughs> those costumes. Uh-huh. Well, what, what, what I think what happened like we, we rehearsed it a couple of times and um, uh, and and I, I thought well they're going to put rays on the gun and I suppose the rays would have a bit of a kickback. So I'm t- I'm telling to the a guy on on the, um, my left uh, to, to, to uh, uh, bend his knees because uh, i 'm bending my knees and, and I said, bend your knees, bend your knees because <laughs> i 'm trying to do a bit of acting you see <laughs> oh. and, then, and then so there's two, there's a there's a shot of us um a, a photo uh with two of us with our knees slightly bent so taking the force to the blow so um uh and then and then you've got as as we come in you know we're taking the force of the blow, and all the cork is blowing up because all that stuff. That blows up is cork, so they can't, you know, you can't, you can't have um, heavy stuff. So it's, right. so it's all soft matter, and it's all blowing up. And we've, we've come in. I, don't, well, I think what happens in fact, you've got a couple of stunt guys that come in first because they always take the, you know, the, they always put the stunt guys in the front to take the uh, uh, anything, in case anything goes wrong. Uh, you know, a bit of, bit of cork hits them in the eye and all that. They're insured, aren't they? Anyway, so um, so, uh, and then we come in. We we sort of got our legs bent, or knees bent, I should say. And uh, yeah, and that's that's the very first one. Yeah, yeah.
1: So so you're telling us though the, the, the skills that go behind portraying a a great stormtrooper is
3: just to kind of bend the knees a little bit, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. I, I I suited you know? I suited up one time in the in and and years ago. And I was doing the bend. I know exactly what you're talking about. Where the stormtrooper, the, the the first few stormtroopers come in, and they are. You guys have your knees bent, and I tried doing that. And the five oh first guys got kind of mad. They're like, "No, you can No, no, no you don't do that. No, no, stormtroopers walk straight." I'm like, well, tell that to these guys. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but yeah. is it is it is it true? We, I, uh, went, I mean, we yeah. sorry. No, it's okay. We, 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 weren't, we weren't instructed to do that. We're directed, I should
4: say, we trying to do that. I'm just sort of like because. I'm just just guessing because George apparently didn't sort of like he didn't do much uh, uh, instructing. There's there's um, Paul Blake who's uh, uh, who played Greedo, and he said, "George, how do you want me to play it?" uh, Paul Blake said, "Well, uh," he said played like they played in movies." (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, they, like they do it in the
4: movies and also Brian Blessed when Brian Blessed uh, in another film later on uh, he, he said one of the other films I don't know which one it was
1: yeah episode one he uh, played it, Boss Nass do you know the
4: one he was in yes hey? yes
1: the Phantom Menace the first of the yeah, prequels Phantom, yeah. that came out in
4: uh, 1999 he said, yeah. he, said, uh, he said how do you want me to play he said Brian he said I've employed you to use your imagination
0: how do you want to do it
4: so George you know George George just doesn't really get involved. I mean, he's yeah. a lovely guy. Yeah. But, like, you know, he's so quiet and, he, and he's unassuming. He doesn't sort of, like, shout out or insist on anything. Now, Laurie, and,
3: there, uh, there's there's uh, a lot of people, and they, when they look at a stormtrooper, and, and I know that the guys in the 501st get asked this all the time, they go, well, what do you do if you got to go to the bathroom? And uh, you found out, didn't you, how quickly you can take. Yeah. How quickly you could take off that armor. Did you get, is it true, did you get sick on the set?
4: I was, uh, yeah, I I, I had I had an upset stomach uh, one day. I think it was the
3: second day in. So if I'm looking
4: at my, if I can remember from my diary, it's um, it's either Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, I think it was the Wednesday. I think I started on Tuesday for some reason. Um, anyway, um uh, Without looking at my diary, I don't know. But uh, I, I developed an upset stomach. So I went to the, the loo, and they, they had a, 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 a disabled cubicle. So like, thank God for that, because there's enough room to take everything off. Because you can imagine it in a small a small cubicle, you haven't got enough room. So I took everything off, and I went to the loo, and I thought, oh, God, this is going to last too long. <laughs> and I could feel my stomach rumbling, rumbling over. So I, I put all the stuff back on, thinking, well, that'd be all right for a for an hour or two hopefully <laughs> and as soon as I got out again somebody grabbed me, one of, one of the assistants grabbed me, Jerry Gavin or whatever he was his name was, um, grabbed me and put me in shot and said oh Laurie you got to go I thought oh god no <laughs> and I could feel, feel that I was going to go to the loo again oh, no. <laughs> and I was shuffling along and bang I hit my head so I'm not concentrating you see I mean we rehearsed it a couple of times but you know, when, when we actually turned over I banged and hit my head Oh, so you're and, uh, you're obviously. I'm waiting for someone to say cut. I'm for someone to say cut, cut, cut. Get that bloody extra. What's going on, you know? So no one said cut. So I thought, well, that's handy because I I can't be in shock because you know sometimes when they do the films, they, they they don't have it wide enough for for everyone to be in it in frame. So um, uh, and then and then when the film came out and the, and the headbanger was in there, I thought that has got to be me, you know. So uh, <laughs> so. so I was telling everyone. I was telling everyone at the time, and so, but it was it was of not was of much significance in those days.
3: Well, I mean, but, oh, but now it's become it become iconic. They threw it back in the movie, or, or they threw it yeah. back in as a reference in episode two, and it's all because you had a, a stomach bug.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the trouble is, you know, I I mean, I've I, I've been saying it for years, and in actual fact, I did a, I did a. a a, a pop promo for a group called uh, the indian rope man in the uk uh, back in 1999 and uh, the theme was star wars and they got me as a milkman coming into the cafe because they're all sitting in a cafe sort of like uh, uh princess lear and uh, luke skywalker sort of like drinking tea because all all the wars of the universe are over now and i've got nothing to do but sit around and drink tea and the, it, the song was uh, "For Your Love," an old Yardbird Sure. Song. Anyway, course. they got me as a milkman coming in, banging my head because, <laughs> like, I've been—I went to the audition and I told them the story. So, my, I've been telling the story for years. So that's that's recorded in 1999, and it's on YouTube if you want to look it up. You see the <laughs> milkman coming. in. It's a fleeting, little role, but you know that's 1999, and uh, and then sort of like in the as you get to sort of like oh five oh six. Other people start saying, "No, I was the one who banged my head." because none, none of us can be recognised. Of course. So you've got all these people making uh, claims, uh, um, you know, basically on opportunism. Opportunism, and I'm thinking to myself, "Well, I, maybe I shouldn't be so vocal about it all because, like, if there are other people, it, it may be the fact I'm not the one, but I, I, I believe I am the one. But I, I don't. I, when I tell people." you know, when they come to my table at conventions and they ask me about this, I said, well, I did hit my head, but I said, there are other people making claims, so I can't say it's me 100%, I said, "But I, I've got the date, I've got a couple of days written in my diary when it could be, because, you know, I put m- the costumes down while I was wearing, because uh, then I, I went on to be a soaring, and um, and if the days matched up with with the, the rushes that were filmed that day, then I, I would have valid claims, so you know, as I say, every time I go knocking on George Lucas' door, a big uh, German shepherd starts barking. <laughs> <laughs> we get the same treatment. And, I mean, how do you get to George Lucas? Like, Can you look at it for me, George, to find out whether I, it was me or not? Because I'm, I'm sure he actually would by now. Well, he's George, retired
3: but, now, uh, Laurie. I mean, what else has he got going on?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I mean, what is he, 74 or something? 74? Anyway... Yeah, know, I, I, I bet people over the years have been saying, well, who, who, was the, who was the guy who banged his head so he doesn't know? But, I mean, how do you get to George Lucas just to ask him to do that? I mean, he must know. He must have sort of, like, records of, of, of the days that filmed.
3: I think when they asked Georgie, because I think it was a guy that was going to crap his pants.
4: <laughs> 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 yeah.
3: I mean, as I hit my head and we, we
4: sort of like bared round to the right, you see me slowing up, thinking, oh, uh, someone's going to say cut and there. Uh, uh, I can't, I, you know, I've, I've got to hold my stomach in there. And, um, and no one did. But you can see, if you if you watch it, you can see there's it's sort of like a. Uh, someone who is who, feeling probably, you know, who's feeling, feeling the bill, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite obvious.
1: Well, what I've always noticed, because, I mean, this scene, you know, th- this moment, a lot of fans didn't notice it for years and years. It wasn't until home video really got advanced to where you could freeze frame very clearly and see the full widescreen presentation. And that's when a lot of fans started noticing Hey, that goofy stormtrooper hit his head on the door. And then you see, Lori, you see yourself adjust the mask after uh, you do it. I mean, which is just, you know, the perfect cherry on top. And it's interesting that because of the fact that it became so popular among fandom, when the film was re-released, I think it was the DVD re-release, they actually put a sound effect in there to yeah, signify yeah. that the bump was in. Because and then does obviously- he say?
4: Does he say when he hit his head, the one in front says, Pity I needed him" or something, as though like he's referring to the fact that he's now he's hit his head, he can't do his work or something like that. You know, because when they go round, bear round to the right, the one in front turns back uh, and he says, "Ah, Penny, I needed him." <laughs> <laughs> and then on the bump, it goes boing, doing some kind of noise. So Clonk. You know,
1: they, uh, oh, it's classic. Bonk, yeah. It's classic. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just, yeah. you know, that's a tribute. And then, as Jason referred to earlier, they pay tribute to that moment in yeah. Attack of the Clones when Jango Fett is boarding the, his ship, the Slave One. He hits his head on the doorway as well. And everyone looks at that as a tribute to your brilliant acting in the original Star Wars. <laughs> When you're not bending your knees, you're banging your head.
4: Oh god, clumsy, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well you know what? I hope clumsy, you have eh?
1: I hope you have insurance for concussions. Because it sounds like you you have sort of a splinter career on this. You were in a music video well, banging think, your head. I think
4: you can tell over over the last last couple of days or so, I'm a bit clumsy with everything. I mean, getting this 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 this
1: computer sorted out. Oh no! No, you know what? We're just happy you took the time to talk to us and tell us some cool stories from the set of Star Wars. So, so, but that's what you're most well known for. And being a professional musician yourself, you actually wrote and recorded a song, "The Stormtrooper Who Hit His Head," and we'll
4: play. Yeah, because I thought to myself, in that song, it says, um, "If you uh, uh, if you reverse a negative." From right to left, everything's set. Because I think when you do turn and the negative, everything it goes from left to right. You know, because I've seen films on YouTube where they reverse the negative, so it doesn't get picked up by the software. Uh, you know, because if it gets picked up by the software, it's usually in a legal film, and 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 they, they, it's quickly taken off. Mm. So every so when they shake hands, they shake hands with the left hand. Ah. You know? so. Um, so, I threw that in there for extra confusion, because these people that, that keep claiming, are, I find a bit irritating, because they're claiming, and they haven't got a story, um, whereas I've got a story, a plausible story, I think, you know, yeah. it's, it's it, I, I, I'm not just saying I'm, I am hit my head, there are other Leading factors to it, right. and other other people when they're asked, well, what happened? What, what? How did you hit your head? Say, so, well, well, I walked on, I bump I hit my head, you know. And it's just pure opportunism. So I thought I throw in, I'd throw in that, you know, just to sort of like uh, um, uh, to, to 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 make it uh, to, to make them think, uh, maybe I shouldn't I shouldn't be claiming this because uh, I really don't know. You know well, I think first, you're being hey, quite. I
3: think you're being quite honest. Admitting to the fact that uh, you had an upset stomach, uh, you, you, you dropped a doozy and then <laughs> suited back up, and, <laughs> and you were <laughs> that's that's dedication. Concerned uh, that uh, you know it might might happen again, and your 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 mind was preoccupied. and You hit your head. That's it dedication. Seems completely uh, plausible. Yeah. But yeah. well, the
4: thing is, that, uh, with the story I tell, you know, uh, especially about saying. Um, the first one that came back to me was uh, I didn't think I was in shot, you know. So therefore, and then uh, I've been saying it for a long time, and, and people have come up to the table uh, when I've been signing at a particular convention. They say, well, "What happened?" I tell them that story, that part of the story, and they say, "Oh, so and so said that uh, he thought he wasn't in shot." And then I've and then I've elaborated more, you know. As it has gone on, uh, the whole thing's carried on and it's developed. And I said, well, I've had an, I an upset stomach, you know, and I've, I've gone into more detail. And I said, oh, so-and-so said that. So everything I say is coming back to me sort of like a year or two later mm-hmm. with these other climates because they'd get, they'd get a hold of the story. And I think, well, i better say that as well. Well, you have so your journal. if I journal. give the dates away, you know, they would know the dates then. And they would, <laughs> and, and, and they, would uh, they would say to, or find some way maybe to get the George Lucas to sort of, sort of you know, what happened on that day. And, uh... Uh, and then I'll I'll be losing out, you know. So right. I, I always get that quiet.
1: <laughs> well,
5: you,
4: you I'm waiting, got the I'm journal. i for the time. I, I left a cup of coffee with, with George Lucas in some kind of studio can, canteen, and um, and I'll ask him then.
1: <laughs> well, you got well, the journal though, so you you have that. Have you given any thought to maybe publishing your your stories from Star Wars? Well, it's it's, it's, it's
4: for some reason, I mean, it's, it was that period. And I I did write a lot in in it, but I didn't I didn't go into great detail because, um, yeah, basically is is what I was wearing, like a stormtrooper's uh, outfit, uh, uh, and how much money I made and how many hours I worked. So um, I can I could tell by that that so that, uh, because I think I started on the Tuesday uh, without uh, without referring to the diary. I wish I had the bloody thing in there. Uh, and then I worked up to the, the weekend, and then the following weekend, uh, the following week, I mean, uh, I think then we started to go into the cantina. So, um, uh, so I've got all the days leading up to the day we went into the cantina. I think at some one day, we were actually filming as stormtroopers and also filming in the cantina. So, mm, um, double uh, duty. So, now, yeah. so you
3: you you jumped in and took over for uh, was it was it John Dukes I believe that was the actor who you think Institute. got the Peter Dukes got the better gig. Uh, what about the Cantina? Was that something you knew that you were going to be doing, or did you, uh,
4: well, you playing again, relief for
3: it, someone else there?
4: Well, again, what happened there? I, I, I was um, Jerry Gavin said to me, "If you can," he said, well, uh, 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 the, the, the wardrobe, "Go to wardrobe. He said, It's a costume there.'" Uh, if you can fit in it, you say you, you, you can do the, the you can be, play the part of the, the, that that particular monster because we didn't have names it. we didn't have sawing or anything like that. But that was just on the call sheet. It was the uh, sixteen monsters. It, you know that they, they didn't they didn't they, they didn't go into great detail. So. I went along and I could get the helmet on, which was a bit of a struggle because it was made for a girl. You see, he said a girl, a girl. It was made for a girl, but she's she's cried off sick. And um, so, <laughs> I got I got the helmet on and I got the top bit in, and it, it sort of doesn't fit. It doesn't sort of button up at the front. And they said, well, that's okay, you know. And then then I went to put the the trousers on, and or the pants, you call out there, and they, I couldn't. They were too tight and I thought, well, I'm not going to get it. And they said, "Oh, never mind. We can, we can sort of make that, that, that bottom bit, bit up." So it's, um, um, it, 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 it was all very bulky, and uh, the bottom part. And it, it looks like I've got a big fat stomach, but it's just, it's just all the uh, the extra material there, sort of hanging around my stomach, which uh, uh, makes it um, look awful and uh and I'm supposed to be five foot two, so i'm still all the time right <laughs> or five foot one or something so um yeah and then one and uh, so i wa- i wasn't down on the on on the um on the uh costume sheet, you see because everyone had been fitted, and some of one a geek uh, um enthusiast got hold of the the, the costume uh uh, uh list my name wasn't there, and started putting it out on the internet. Laurie Good didn't play part in the in the film because he's not <laughs> on the wardrobe list. You know they can they, they get overexcited these people. So, uh, but that's the way film working works. You know because on the minor roles we haven't got contracts as such. Right. We just get we we just we just turn up and we get on the day we get a voucher. Oh, and then we do in those days got a voucher, sign it at the end of the day. And then get used to get paid cash at the end of the day. That's how it works. So there's, you know, people as, as in the beginning, as I said about Peter Jukes, he probably got a better job, or or one that paid more anyway. So he didn't turn up. And so there there was that happening all the time. So, um, but a lot of people now seem to sort of uh, not a lot of people, but some people, uh, uh, when I appear at a convention. Are a bit sceptical because they think uh, that I didn't play soaring. But uh, then that photograph turned up of me, Pam Rose and Chris Bunn sleeping in the cantina. Or as I say, I I was resting my head on Chris uh, Bunn's shoulder as we sat there and and Pam Rose was knitting away there uh, with a a a a dressing gown on. And uh, so that's arrived uh, uh, on the internet. So that question is that story that I was uh, actually was in. Um, the question is the story that I, I wasn't there, you know, that I was actually there. And um, uh, although you can't see, all, all the, on the soaring costume, there's a little sort of twizzle thing on, on the on the pell, a little iron kind of, a uh, little bit of piping kind of affair. And, uh, and the only thing you can see on that, like, that photograph is uh, because on the way I'm laying is this little, this little metal metal piece, uh, sticking up. So, um, yeah, anyway, so I'm, I'm there. So, so there you, I, were, you were, you were in the canteen. So I still got the, uh, lorry. good. Didn't do, do the, the, uh, storing, uh, piece he's still got that piece on the on the, on the web uh on the internet so guys,
1: so sue him <laughs> <laughs> so um in addition to the Sorin in the cantina and the stormtrooper who hit his head you were also an x-wing pilot during the rebel briefing scene so tell, tell us what you recall of shooting that scene and also tell us who on the internet is saying you weren't in that scene
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I—I—I'll I, tell you that I wasn't in that scene. Well, I don't—I—I do not know about the that one. That's—that's that's very doubtful because what happened? I remember turning up and I thought, oh God, we got to get these—got to get these something costumes on again. These—these these impractical stormtrooper costumes. So, I'm turning. Up cause I, that's what I'm thinking. And I turned out I said, I said, where's my costume then? i said well you're you're, you're this today you, uh, the, uh, an x wing pilot I thought well, that's handy because that's you know got out of wearing a helmet and feeling claustrophobic, so we go on to the set and I think they took a lot of photographs a lot of still photographs and then i i, I think they may have they may have filmed, but they were i remember there have been quite a lot of us there, and I think they t- they said that, were too many of you here. Um, take take 15 of you out or something like that or 20 of you out so as I was standing in the back um, we, we left uh, so I don't know to be quite honest with you and I say this to people when they come up to me at tables ask, you know, ask me to sign a, 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 um, uh, an X-Wing pilot f- photograph I said, well I'm not too sure I was there because uh, although I, I remember being in the costume I'm not too sure if 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 I was actually in film, so if you want me to sign it, I sign it. But uh, you know, I I I I'm, I've got to be honest with you, um, because I you know, I, I'm not liking these opportunities that uh, <laughs> say they bumped their head when they didn't. I I, <laughs> I, I I don't like conning people, you know. So so I I, I tell them that. You know, mm. Well, that's there's fair. Enough to go, there's enough to go around to go round without you know having to sort of con people, uh, or so it's there's it's a doubt in my mind, and you know, it, as as it was such a long time ago, I mean, I wish all this happened in sort of like the late eighties. I'll have a lot more clear memory of
1: what went on. <laughs> the seventies, forget yeah. about it. So let me get this right, okay? So you you are the stormtrooper who hit his head, yet the internet says. Some of the internet says you're not. Uh, You were in the cantina as a Well, no,
4: they don't say I'm not. uh, uh, Some of the the, um, internet says that um, uh, other people did it as well. Yeah, right, right. But you. No, they don't say I didn't do it. But but the
1: internet says you were an X Wing pilot, and you say you weren't. So you and the internet.
4: Well, I was an X Wing pilot. I was an X Wing pilot. But I don't know for sure if I am actually was in film, because I remember being there, but I also remember something in the back of my mind tells me there were too many there, and they took us, took a lot of us out, so whether that, you know what, whatever bit I did ending up on the um, uh, on the cutting room floor, I don't know because when I look at it, I can't see myself anywhere,
1: Right, mm. but I can see
4: Dave Holland there, Dave Holland just died actually, died last week oh. poor Dave Holland, um, Sorry I can to hear see that. him there
1: and, and what, what what who did Dave play? I just refresh my memory.
4: Um, well, he he was in. He's he one of the sort of technicians in the room. Uh, uh, he's standing right in front. There's there's a, a photograph of him standing uh, sitting right in front of um, Harrison Ford. Uh, poor Dave died on the twelfth in Thailand.
1: So did you wear the orange jumpsuit, the X-wing pilot uniform?
4: Yeah. Well, more like, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, that's cool. So yeah, so you were an X-wing pilot. I, that's good enough for me. If you just w- put on the wardrobe and you're close to the set, I say that's that's good enough.
4: Yeah, but in all in all the in all the um, the, the photographs that I sign, you know, uh, I, I can say that that's me because I can remember doing the the bit, mm-hmm. and I can remember, you know, uh, 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 soaring. So I can see myself soaring in the cantina. Uh, And I've got the one who's got the big shoes on, (laughs) because there's a girl there as well. So
1: in Um, your uh, in your uh, time on the set, you were in the cantina, you were on the Death Star. Did you cross paths with Sir Alec Guinness at all? Do you have any stories of hanging out with him?
4: uh, No, but I had. I had. um, He was a nice man. He was easy enough to talk to. You could talk to him. Uh, Very approachable, Uh, as they all were. Because they were, you know, especially Mark. He he would be in the bar. Uh, you because know, we used to go to the bar quite a lot in those sure. days, young enough and also uh, you know, to to just have a bit of a liquid lunch and a bit of relaxation and a giggle. <laughs> so we used to go to the bar. Um, but Sir Alec Guinness, I'd worked with Sir Alec Guinness before uh, on a production at ATV Studios called um, Twelfth Night. Uh, Shakespearean, one of the Shakespearean plays uh, which was directed by a guy called John Dexter. And I had a, a sort of like a three week gig on that. And uh and, and then the first day I met John Dexter, I knew him quite well. And the first day on rehearsals uh on that, I, I came in late. I don't know why, I've probably drunk the night
5: before.
4: <laughs> doing started doing doing a gig somewhere, you know. So so I got up late and I had to go I had to sort of drive across town, which is much easier in those days, but it's still a long way to go. And um, and as as I walked in, they're all everyone was rehearsing this this Shakespearean play. You know, everyone, everyone, uh, there was someone called Tommy Steele. I don't if you've heard of Tommy Steele. Ralph Richardson. Um, yeah, no, so they're all involved. The only one that wasn't involved was Alec Guinness. And he was sitting over by a little kind of table they had there and making some tea and as, as as I walked in John Dexter looked at me and shouted out "Ah, you are always late and everyone turned round up to me <laughs> and so Alec walked over and put his hand out he said hello he said my name's Alec I said oh, hello Laurie he said would you like a cup of tea <laughs> <laughs> nice so I said oh, yes please uh, sort of like <laughs> sheepishly walked over with him and sat down and had a cup of tea he goes, um, you know, I, I I wasn't being used, uh, or in, I wasn't in that scene that they were rehearsing, <laughs> so that was handy. So, um, uh, but uh, yeah, he was—he he sort of like—he made it all sort of calm, mm-hmm. and, he, 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 and nothing really flustered him. Alec Guinness—he was—he uh, was such an easygoing guy. Mm-hmm. So that was that was nice. So, but then uh, then um, you know these these big actors they. They they meet so many people, and the next time I, I worked with him, uh, I reminded him, and he, he I said, uh, uh, "Yes, I worked with you on on twelfth He said, "Oh yes, that was a good production." And we go, they talk about you know. They move away from the, the fact that the you've had a personal connection, because they can't remember you, <laughs> you know, because they're meeting people all the time, and everyone wants to talk to them. So I don't think he remembered me. But so, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, 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 so that's how it goes.
1: So Laurie, did you see Star Wars: The Force Awakens? And what did you think?
4: Saw S- 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 Star Wars when? Sorry. The,
1: the the new the newest film, The Force. I Awakens. haven't seen it. I was yeah,
4: waking. So, uh, yeah, yeah, The Force Awakens. Yeah. No, I'm I'm going down to. I've got no cinemas where I am, and um, I know I could get it on on the uh, internet, but um, I thought I'd wait till my library gets in and get the uh, the disc out and and. And, and watch it. So, I went down the other day, and they hadn't got it in there. Yet. No. So, um,
1: probably not so till I'm springtime di- so I'm dying
4: to see it because um you know they're all been talking about it. I mean, it's it's a bit over. It's sort of like a bit. You know, the special effects is sort of kind of like um, James Bondish or something. Oh, I, I, I don't know, that's what I've been told. So they like the, the, the they they they're spectacular. You know, yes, they, you,
1: they are you, spectacular. You,
4: you see, you see something like that equivalent in James Bond, you know, with people flying over the air, in the air and stuff.
1: Well, if you're into that kind of stuff, I, I, I think you'll enjoy the film. And, and I'm, I'd be curious to hear what you think about the new Stormtrooper armor. Um, it seems a little more practical.
4: Well, it would help the, it would help the acting, I should think. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I haven't I haven't seen it. No, I I, I haven't seen it because um, uh, you're talking about the, in the new film. Yes, yeah? yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen. It. But is, is that the stuff? Because they're doing it. They kind of appearing now at conventions with sort of like a square hats, square helmets. Is that stuff? Well the, rather than round you know
3: i i, I guess so I, I maybe the newer ones are a little more square I, yeah they are there's a there's, yeah a little more angular i think they're the ones that look different to you i'm sure so yeah
4: i've seen them i've seen them at conventions yeah and i, I but um you know i suppose i i find, i still i still uh, i've got liking for the older ones the, the the original I should say
3: oh I can imagine but, um, you two are. Close friends now. Yeah,
4: because <laughs> yeah, it's more identifiable. I mean, I've done a, I've done a little video for the song. I always, I've seen this video of
3: song. I, I don't. I haven't. I haven't seen it. No, it's. It. Uh, Jim, have it's you, you seen my, it? it?
4: It's, on, it's on my website. Yeah. Yeah. All well, right.
1: no. I'm going to have to check that out. I, I have heard the song. I, I've listened to it a couple times, Laurie. And, and we're going to play it here as we wrap up this interview. Um, yeah. Great. And, and so it's available uh, on your website, right?
4: Yeah. I mean, the links on my website. I've got a link to uh, uh, iTunes and also. Um, uh, what's the other one? Google Play. Uh-huh. Uh I think it's on Spotify as well. But um, it's, it's I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, self promoting really. That's fine. I went to the BBC and uh, uh, I, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't get any, couldn't meet anyone there that had any, any um, power to do me a favour. So.
2: What? Well, uh, we
1: gotta, we gotta get this on the Beeb. We have to make this yeah, happen.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll go back to them. I'm... I'll get a petition up. Probably get about twenty-five signatures, but boy, wouldn't I get that publicity? <laughs> well, after
1: we play it on this show, you'll easily get thirty signatures. Easily. Yeah. So we're going to wrap it up. Um what's the website address, Lori?
4: Oh, now you're asking me. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. I've, I've, this is the computer of mine. Because I've had to change over to computers and trying to get Skype and. Um, and it's turned itself off now turn itself on again. I don't know why it's turned itself off. Why don't you just
1: slam your forehead right into the thing and see if it starts working? Uh, see if you you can pull that magic I'll, I'll, move off I'll, one more I'll time. Right doing it, but. Yeah, just just uh slam I mean, your head right into it.
4: <laughs>
1: on occasion <laughs> do you do that, just maybe for luck, you know, just walk into a door jam or something?
4: Just... I, 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 I didn't do it when I lose my temper, which is, <laughs> I'm about to do, I should actually.
1: Well, you are a um, musician, so headbanging is probably part of your regular routine.
4: Yeah, but running out of aspirin here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, oh, God, where are you? We, we gotta,
1: we're going to have to oh, check your pupils to make
3: sure they're not dilated because you've hit oh. your head so many times. Oh, God. I bet I can well, find I it. Actually, I think I have it here. It's lorigood.weebly.com.
4: Yeah. Does that yeah.
3: sound right? Okay, that's and you're true, also right. on Twitter, at lorigood, and that's L-A-U-R-I-E, and good with an E on the end. Um,
4: yeah, that's right, yeah.
3: Which, if you put a U in color, it makes total sense. So, Good, E on the end, dot weebly.com. That's the site. Lori, thank you so much for being here on Rebel Force Radio, and sharing your stories with us and going down uh, memory lane. And I, 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 for one, am glad that you had that little stomach bug, which caused you to hit your head, because uh, the Star Wars universe is a lot more fun because of it.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all a bit of a luck, isn't it? Every, I think everyone on the film has had a bit of luck, you know? Yeah. So probably probably the ones, even even Alec Guinness, because he took a percentage on, on the film, because they couldn't pay him any, a lot of money. And he thought, oh, we as well take it. Yeah, look at his luck. I mean, it made millions. <laughs> We've all had a bit of luck. Yeah. it's been a bit fortunate for everyone, even George Lucas has been yeah. lucky for
3: Sometimes him. it's better to be lucky than good. Laurie Good, thank all you right, very thanks. much. Uh, right, and, uh Just take care, and uh, we'll be talking to you again sometime here on Rebel Force Radio.
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When, when I get to, when I get in the top ten of iTunes, I'll I'll, I'll ring it back again.
3: Excellent. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. I'll try and
4: make it before Christmas. <laughs> All
1: right. It's been a pleasure.
3: Take care. Thanks very much, guys. <laughs>
1: Comes the digital card collecting app Star Wars Card Trader. Yes, collect and trade over 1,000 officially licensed Star Wars digital cards. All of your favorite characters, vehicles, and locations from the Star Wars universe are here, including replicas of those amazing and iconic original 1977 top Star Wars trading cards to futuristic all new cards with exciting digital twists. And of course, you can find exclusive content from the all-time U.S. box office champ, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Download it today in the App Store or in Google Play. And of course, we're using the Star Wars Card Trader app here at Rebel Force Radio. You can always trade with us here 24-7, 365 days a year. Just search username Rebel Force Radio and do it all from the comfort of your mobile device. It's the top's Star Wars Card Trader app. These are the cards you're looking
2: for.
0: You must contact me. Play back the entire message.
2: What message? Message after the message. The Emperor commands you to make contact with him. It's a trick. Send no reply.
5: Hi, guys. This is Bob from Colleen. I've been seeing rumored episode titles for the last few episodes of Rebels. And one of them kind of has me shaking my head a little bit. Uh, they say it's going to be called the Twilight of the Apprentice. I love that title and all. It it you know has a nod to, um, well, first of all the freighter that Anakin and Ahsoka were piloting in the Clone Wars. I like the goosebumps it gives me, um, but I I don't know what would, would Dave have approved of. The uh, the title for that last episode it sounds a little too much like a spoiler and I mean I don't know Dave I've never talked to him but you know from all your interviews that you've done with him he kind of seems like the guy who loves to keep us on the edges of our seats until the very last minute um, I don't know if you guys have read those you know little rumored titles and all but I don't know part of me likes the title twilight of the apprentice and part of me is like no don't, don't tell me what's going to happen in the episode via the title i it just doesn't sound like a title dave would have approved of um maybe i'm wrong uh i i hope i am it sounds it sounds cool um the the kid in me really enjoys that um i i, I don't know i don't want to see ahsoka go but I do want to see that duel between her and Vader. And like Tyler said, I also want to see the duel between Maul and Vader at some point. Uh, I am I'm, I cannot wait for the season finale. I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of, of the episodes we've yet to see, but yeah, the title just got me thinking a little bit. Um, hopefully you guys could weigh in on that at some point during the uh, season of Rebels. I'm, I'm not sure how many more we have left to go, six or seven thereabouts.
1: Hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, may the Force be with you, too, and will talk to you later. Bye. So what do you think, Jason? Is uh, is that a, a spoiler in the title? So what do you think, Jason? Is uh, is that a, a spoiler in the title? Twilight? What? Now, in Twilight, it has nothing to do with those goofy vampire movies you enjoy so much.
3: Oh, well, then I'm going to have to... rethink this all together reconsider your answer yeah um you know boy it's um it's going to end this this season it's going to wrap it up we're talking about episodes uh, 19 and 20 and i believe that's the end right um
1: you know it'll be over in about five weeks yeah about five six episodes left
3: so, uh, you know, I mean, as much as I would like to say, oh, boy, you know, I think our our caller here is being very clever by hearkening back to the name of the of the ship, you know, the Twilight. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily uh, a big spoiler in terms of I don't think there's any finality uh, to what we're going to see. Twilight um, is that space between daytime and. Night, so uh, you could say it's that space between light and dark, and I think every Jedi at some point faces that. Every Jedi in training. So this probably points to a a challenge uh, that Ezra will have. Uh, but I don't know that there's anything to be implied. You know that it's going to be a, a major turning point. I think that um, Ezra is going to have a lot of challenges. And he's going to have a lot of moments where he's dancing in the twilight.
1: That's interesting that you went for one definition of twilight. When I was thinking about something totally different, you were thinking about the actual um, literal definition on a physical scale, you know, the sun setting. But I was looking at more of like a moment of finality, like that guy's in the twilight of his career, you know, coming toward the end, seeing things in a decline, And if you're saying Twilight of the Apprentice, maybe that means, and this is something we talked about on uh, Star Wars Rebels Declassified, which will be coming up next Monday, so all can hear, but it's something we talk about, is how far along is Ezra in his training? Will he ever acquire the Jedi skills that could make him on par with Kanan? We discuss this a lot in Star Wars Rebels Declassified. When you say Twilight of the Apprentice, maybe it it means that Ezra is winding down his training. Maybe he's Mm. starting to get close to the finish line. So it's Twilight for the Apprentice, for his apprenticeship. Sooner or later, he's going to become a Jedi in his own right. If I can interpret the title that way. I don't think it has anything to do with Anakin's (laughs) ship, but uh, I appreciate that being thrown in there. So maybe we might be seeing Ezra graduate to a higher level of force user and possibly even becoming someone who could be considered a proper Jedi
3: mm.
1: let's hear what John from Chicago has to say
6: hey Jason and Jimmy this is uh John from Chicago and I just wanted to call in after listening to your last show with a couple of different things uh, first off um, uh, you guys have talked a little bit about Maz or Maz. I'm not from Chicago originally so I don't I don't get the mask and the att- kind of voice going <laughs> but um, I was wondering if she's a little bit like an Indiana Jones. You know, she, you know, Indy's got that line, this belongs in a museum. I'm wondering when she collects the lightsaber in that box, a lot of people have said that that box is the same box it was being kept in at Obi-Wan Kenobi's home on Tatooine. So is she just collecting these items to keep them out of the hands of the villains uh, for such a time as when Luke or the Jedi may rise up again? Uh, that was my thought. You know, she doesn't seem... She's she's obviously not an evil pirate, so uh, is she like an Indiana Jones where she's a collector? There's a lot of other items in those room in that room, that we didn't really get to see very clearly. So uh, is she just collecting this and holding on to it to keep it out of the hands of, of the villains? The other thing I wanted to mention was, uh, Jimmy Mack, I think you and I may have been at the same IMAX uh, show for Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, because uh, it was up in Lincolnshire. I don't know if that's where you were at for your show. Went there with my brother, uh, saw the movie, had the same experience where the film died out um, right around that time of the the chase in Coruscant, <laughs> and uh, I think we ended up getting some free passes to come back, and we didn't end up spending them again until uh, going to see uh, V for Vendetta in IMAX, um, but you know, same experience, we had it cut out almost right about that same spot, so if you and I weren't in the same theater, maybe there was something just wrong with those prints. Um, the other thing was, yeah, definitely the the film was. It seemed like a much cleaner, uh, much faster paced movie. Um, everything they trimmed, it, it was a good trim. It was a good edit. A lot of, in fact, I don't know that Jar Jar showed up at all um, in any of the scenes of the movie, from what I recall. And there were a couple of other spots here and there. The uh, you know the conversation scenes between. Uh, Anakin and Padme, those were cut out or at least trimmed down by quite a bit mercifully. Um, so yeah, right, so maybe you and I were in there on the same date, uh, at the same theater and just didn't know it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had the exact same experience as you did. So we might have been in the same place at the same time. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, great show and, um, may the force be with you.
1: Yeah. He's talking about when I took, uh, God, Michael was very young at this time, and uh, we went to see episode two on the IMAX, and it was a special edit because back then with the technology, they couldn't fit a reel on the projector that was larger than two hours or so. And of course, episode two is quite a bit over two hours, so they had to make some sharp edits into the film, and some might argue that it made... Attack of the Clones a better movie. But when we were seeing it in IMAX, and by the way, the technology for IMAX was relatively new at this time. It wasn't as widespread as it is now. So, just the concept of having that giant picture with a super loud sound was new to us. And when that picture went absolutely dark but the sound kept coming at you during that speeder chase, It was like an out-of-body experience because you're in total darkness just getting blasted with this loud, brilliant Ben Burtt sound design and the John Williams soundtrack. But it was like, it was a terrifying experience almost. (laughs) So I got to say, though, that I was not in Woodridge, Illinois. I was at the Cinemark at Seven Bridges in Woodridge. So uh, it's weird that we both had the same experience happen when we saw episode two in IMAX where that scene went completely dark. The speeder chase scene. And it was disappointing, too, because I consider that scene to be one of the highlights of the entire film. And to see it in IMAX is truly spectacular. But, uh, yeah, I was not at that actual screening. So, uh, you know, um, John says a lot of stuff in his uh, in his message there. Um,
3: yeah. The one I want to I comment on is about because I thought about this. Yeah. About the trunk. Is it is it the same trunk? Let's talk about uh, that. You know. it, it is it is not the same trunk. The trunk that uh, Obi wan has in his hovel is a steel or metal trunk of some sort. Whereas Maz is almost like a basket. It looks woven. It looks. Uh, um, it's just. It's not. It's not made out of the same materials. It would have been very interesting to have it be the same, um, but I think you know beyond the significance that that was the trunk that Obi-Wan kept that lightsaber in for many many years i i, I don't think there's you know really any significance to the, that that trunk itself um, and preserving it when you already have the lightsaber why well, have two relics it's uh, the jj J. abrams mystery box
1: you know i it's it's right there and you know i want to talk about something i observed when I went to uh, see The Force Awakens last week with my dad. When you talk about these, these mystery boxes, something that I think has gone by a lot of people, and I haven't heard anyone bring this up. They certainly haven't on this show. At the end of the film, when Ray goes to meet Luke Skywalker, and she goes up all those stone steps in her search for him, she gets to a point where she reaches like a, a little doorway. Mm-hmm. And she pauses and looks down, and there is a box sitting there. You didn't notice this, did you? Mm -hmm. But I've heard no one talk about this. She looks down, and there is some sort of box just sitting there. And she looks at it, and that was it. I mean, it happens so fast, you you blink and you miss it. But it does happen. I've been on the lookout for this. Something else that happens in that sequence, too, I'm just going to bring up. You notice... That Ray has the blaster that Han Solo gave her at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. She goes to meet with Luke. How was she able to maintain ownership of that? Because the last time we saw her with that, Kylo had pinned her arm down via the force and then did that, uh, that hypnotist trick where he knocks her out, you know, and she's asleep and she, he carries her on board the ship. Certainly he didn't say, Oh, here, you're gonna need this and put it in her like belt or anything. He obviously took possession of that blaster or just left it there in the forest. How did she get it back at the end? Now, obviously, you know, maybe she said to Chewbacca, boy, I sure like that blaster Han gave me, but now I lost it. I don't know where it is. And then Chewie said, well, wait a second. I know what kind that is. I'll get you one. And he gave it to her. He replaced it. But that's not what—that's not the message I think the film is trying to tell us. I, I think they're trying to tell us that that was the gift that Han Solo gave her. And somehow she maintained possession of that all the way through the end of the movie. Impossible. It yeah. has to be a replacement. Wow.
3: Wow. That's interesting. I've not heard anybody talk about that. I've also not heard about the box. I do Whoop, have... The I, box. Uh, all right. We, 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 have, we have ways. We have sources. We can look at uh, see what's going on with the box. But while we're talking about that, let me tell you what's going on with uh, Dorkside Toys. Uh, Dorkside Toys is your place for uh, everything and all things toys on the web. Uh, Walking Dead, they've just returned uh, to television. So you can celebrate that at Dorkside with 40% off on all in-stock action figures. Statues, vinyls, playsets, tons of the uh, cool pop vinyls. Uh, with New York Toy Fair last week, we did not have much chance to talk about it this week. But yes, New York Toy Fair was there. They did unveil some, underline some new Star Wars stuff. Um, But uh, you can rest assured that Dorkside is going to have all that stuff available for pre-order very soon, Uh, plus exclusive reveals. So go ahead and visit Dorkside Toys to see what's new. Just go to rebelforceradio.com and click on the Dorkside banner. Here we go. Let's go to
7: Ohio. There we go. Hey, Jason and Jimmy. This is Todd from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Thanks for all the great shows you guys been doing lately. Uh, Really enjoyed listening to it. I was calling in to uh, talk about uh, the end when um, Han is confronting Kylo and, you know, a lot of people have talked about how emotional they've been. I kind of came at it from a little different perspective, more from Han's perspective, not so much sad that he had, uh, you know, he was killed, but more about, you know, him as a father, and me being a father, and sort of having that dread of of having a child uh, with addiction, um, and you know, have that hopeless feeling. There's nothing you can do about it. I, I'm lucky I'm not in that position, but with children, I'm always afraid that uh, you know maybe someday I would be, and um, sort of the fear that goes along with the fact that you just can't help your child. And I think that that was really. Uh, the emotion that got me in that scene. And I haven't really heard too many people talk about that, so I wanted to wanted to share that. And uh, one other thing I wanted to add was, you know, right after that happens, and they cut to uh, cut to Leia. Um, I wonder, you know, I I don't think she's necessarily feeling Han's death. I think maybe she's feeling sort of that ultimate fall of her son. And I think that that's what, um, you know, she senses uh, through the force. So anyway, I wanted to share that and uh, keep up the good work and uh, can't wait to hear more. Thanks, guys.
1: All good points. I mean, uh, you know, Todd, he he brought up uh, some uh, very similar points that I brought up, I believe, at the end of our show on uh, January 22nd. I, I talked a lot about the, the emotional connection that Han had and, and the fear that, all parents have of, of losing their, their children, not being able to provide for your kids or having your kids go down a path that you don't agree with or know is self-destructive. These are all the things that, that as a, as a parent, you, you care about and fear all the time. And that's why the death of Han Solo on, on that level really affected me because you know, like like uh, like you, Jason, I, I'm raising kids and and that's the biggest fear of of a parent. So, uh, yeah, I, I hear him loud and clear.
3: I do, too, though. Um, and it's a it's a great analogy to bring. I think it, it's uh it's actually quite uh, intuitive. But I will say I don't believe that Leia is reacting to the fall of her son. We don't see a precedent for that in those with Force abilities as much as we see a precedent for them sensing the death of someone that they're connected to. For sure. So, uh, that would be that'd be my take. But maybe it's a little bit of both. And we haven't really seen Jedi or Force-powered uh, parents reacting to their children. Um, you know, really outside of Vader and Luke. And Vader doesn't really wear his emotions on his sleeves, we'll say. Uh, but uh, so i but I would go towards the uh, towards uh, the former rather than the latter. That's going to do it for this week. Big thanks to our Patreon backer, Josh Licht. Thank you, Josh Licht. And if you're uh, interested in contributing, you can go to patreon.com slash rebel force radio. Links to everything on uh, Facebook. Also, thank you to our guest this week, Lori. Good. Lori, thanks for dropping by the cantina to share your recollections of the real cantina. And, uh, your time there on the set of Episode 4. Also, our sponsors this week, Little Debbie Snack Cakes, Tops, and their Star Wars Card Trader app, and our friends at Dorkside Toys. If you like to play with us in between shows, best way to do it, re- email show at rebelforceradio.com. You can also drop us a voicemail, 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. And I'm really pleased that we are... Uh, Playing those voicemails. Those are a lot of fun. So keep those coming in. Uh, the Twitter is at Rebel Force Radio, also at Jimmy Mack Radio, at Jason Swank. Uh, you can find us on Facebook a couple of places. We have the official Rebel Force Radio Facebook page, as well as the um, uh, Rebel Force Radio Facebook group. And that's really where you want to go for the conversation, interacting and having a good time with uh, other listeners and uh, fellow lovers of all things Star Wars. Uh, but uh, for the latest and greatest, what's going on here at Rebel Force Radio, the uh, Official Facebook page is a good place to go. Also, our website, rebelforceradio.com. We are a podcast, after all. So if you're interested in subscribing to Rebel Force Radio podcasts, uh, you can do that at iTunes. We appreciate those reviews. We just have one rule. Make them good. And you can uh, stream Rebel Force Radio at WGNPlus.com. You can also find us on Stitcher and just about anywhere you can find podcasts. You can listen to Rebel Force Radio just about each and every Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at srsounds.com. Now, here's something kind of cool. You Spotify users out there, they are test marketing podcasts. So podcasts are now going to start showing up uh, in your uh, Spotify options. If you're one of the uh, lucky ones that has been chosen, Um, you're going to see RFR there. We have been uh, picked to be uh, one of several podcasts. Podcasts uh, in a lineup being offered. So uh, check your Spotify account, see if you're getting podcasts and Rebel Force Radio there. We're also an official friend of Wikipedia. Visit the ultimate online Star Wars encyclopedia at wikipedia.com. Two E's. You can also find us weekly at JediNews.co.uk, Yoda'sNews.com, and the official Star Wars website, StarWars.com. We'll see you next time. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember...
0: ...Force will be with you
3: always.